Welcome to the Beyond Physio Podcast, where we help you move, excel, and inspire others on your journey to your next level with knowledge and advice from experts and testimonials from our like-minded community. Welcome to the Beyond Physio Podcast. I am Dr. Jerry Yu, CEO and founder of Next Level Physio. Today, I have Dr. Julie Gray, CEO and founder of Piton PT down in Jackson, New Jersey. Welcome to our show, Dr. Gray. Thank you so much, Dr. Jerry. I'm so happy to be here. It's been such a long time. We've been talking about doing this. So I'm so excited that I get to be here talking about Piton and just so thrilled. Excellent. And I'm excited too because I've seen your journey over the last couple of years and your evolution to where you are as a very knowledgeable and skilled expert in all things dizziness, migraines, vertigo, vestibular, all that kind of stuff. So I can't wait to dive into the show and the contents. But before we go into that realm, I want to have everybody hear a little about your credentials. And I really want to know, and I think our audience wants to know, what really drove you to go into this specialized area of physical therapy? Sure. Yeah. I love telling this. So it's interesting because there are not a lot of physical therapists who treat people with dizziness, headaches, vertigo, concussions. And I actually really didn't even know that physical therapists treated this either until I went to PT school. And they were talking about how physical therapists can treat concussions. And I was like, wow, that's really awesome and great because my sister actually struggled with concussions. And just to tell you a little bit about her backstory that inspired me with Piton was that she in about a two-year period, suffered about what we know or think is about six concussions within two years. Wow. Yeah. And her symptoms were what we kind of start to see now is light and noise sensitivity. It was migraine, headache, increased with you know, anxiety. And we were in high school. We went to a small school. Everybody kind of knew each other. And when she would go to see a doctor, they just kept telling her, well, it's anxiety. It's anxiety. It's anxiety. Wow. And so she really struggled. She struggled academically and it was hard for us. It was hard for like me emotionally, even seeing her go through that. And, you know, finally connected with a neurologist who told her it, this is probably post-concussion syndrome and you just have to wait it out. So let's go into that for a second. Yeah. How did she even get these concussions in the first place? And were they missed then by the, some of the healthcare providers that she was seeing? Yeah. So she played soccer and she was a goalie and she's very competitive is just the best way to put it. And we played for the same team in a very small school and she's the captain and I'm her little sister. So mm -hmm. it was rough, but I'll say, you know, this is now going back like over 15 plus years ago. And, you know, we went to a small school. There wasn't a whole lot of talk about concussions and if it was about football you know didn't talk about it for girls soccer and so the first concussion she had was actually playing for a travel team and a, she dove for the ball and a girl went to go kick the ball and kicked her in the head instead oh, and so she lost consciousness and went to the hospital diagnosed with a concussion and within about three days was back playing oh, still with symptoms which now like again there's second impact syndrome and i mean just so many super scary things that could have happened to her that but it was just the mentality of like i gotta play you know we went to a small school it was like i'm the only goalie i'm i gotta stick you know for my team for my girls like we gotta do this then one after the other another one she like dove for the dove for a ball but like the ground was really frozen and so she hit her head oh, another time she hit her head on the goal post and i mean it can just go on it's catastrophe there. yeah so just kind of one after the other and you know once we have one concussion we're more susceptible it's like we've had an injury so once you have the first one your brain is more susceptible so even smaller ones like smaller things over time it just compounded and compounded. So then by the time she was a senior and she really wanted to play in college, you know, the doctors were like, no, you can't be doing that. But also didn't provide her with any solutions, any care. There was nothing like it was like you have post-concussion syndrome and rest. Oh. And that was it. So when I got to PT school and they started talking about the symptoms of it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely what my sister Amanda, like, this is a 
exactly what she had. And it got me super interested because it really did. It was like really stressful on our family and everything, not understanding her symptoms, knowing what was happening. And so that's when I really started kind of pursuing after it because it interested me because I saw my sister go through it. For sure. Now, has that affected her 15 years later? Is she still having effects from that uh, episode in her life? Yeah. Episodes, I should say. Yes, she is. And for us, you know, I'm her little sister. It's Sometimes it's hard to take advice from like family. <laughs> no kidding. A little sister. But also, you know, she does listen. But it's also she, I think she understands her symptoms and she knows how to work around them. And she's kind of adapted her life around them. But I don't want to see that for other people. You know, I, this is not something like the brain is plastic. It can learn. It can adapt. And we need to be doing that and do, making those changes. We have some things in my family that make her eye, like our genetic history, a little bit more susceptible to dizziness, concussion, migraine, those kind of things. So evidence shows us that too, that somebody who has migraine or has a migraine history is more likely to have a longer trajectory of concussion symptoms. Oh man, that's so. crazy. Now, Julie, now that's your sister, but mm-hmm. I know you also have a personal story be- behind this because not only are you an expert in this area, particularly in the vestibular migraines, but you yourself have been suffering from vestibular migraines and also getting treatment for that as well. Is that right? Yeah. So pretty like crazy, but I really do like I'm a person of faith and I really do believe that like God set me out on this path for treating people with like concussions and vertigo and dizziness because I can see it. It's all in my family history. Like everybody in my family has some type of vertigo migraine issue and not even realizing the depths of it until I started pursuing it in the clinical field. So I'll say for myself, I've always, I've had migraines since I was a little kid. And I used to tell my mom, I have a head egg, like a head egg. (laughs) And it made, no, my mom was like, you're too young to know what that is. Like, Mm. what is that? And I would notice that it'd get worse around certain foods. You get, you know, driving the car for long periods of time. I get really motion sick and just again, adapted my life to it. And then actually shortly after starting my own practice, I experienced vertigo, like true room spinning sensation vertigo. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. But only I would like think that, you know? And I was like, okay, well, this could be a couple things. So let's run some tests and see what I have going on. And I'm like, all right, this, it was so, it would have been so much easier if it was like you telling me your symptoms, it would have been like so obvious. But mm-hmm. because it was like myself, it made it like, it was so hard to be objective. Sure. So then I did connect with the neurologist who confirmed that I have vestibular migraines. I was on medication for a while, but now I'm just taking supplements and diet, nutrition, sleep, and really just trying to practice a lot of that holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Not saying there aren't days that I don't need to take a migraine medication because it just is what it is, but it's feeling so much better. I haven't had an episode of vertigo in almost two years now, but even like my mom has Meniere's disease. My dad has migraines. It's even on my husband's side. So like, Lord help our children. But (laughs) so there is such genetic factors that can influence this. And again, it just made me really passionate about it. I think even more so because I see it so deep into my family. And that's what a lot of my patients feel as well. Is like, oh, well, my mom had vertigo, but I just thought that she was crazy, like, you know, or like she might have been crazy. Yeah, I mean, she, that's very well could have been. So, you know, I really do feel so passionate about this because I see it. I saw my like family go through the whole like healthcare system, get medical gaslit, like the whole experience. And we need to change that. Like sure. we need to change that. And if that's what I'm here to do with Peton, like absolutely just to advocate for people, tell them that like there is help for these things. Like it's not just something you should live with or deal with. And it's like vertigo is not normal. And also like vertigo is not a diagnosis. It's a symptom of something deeper going on. Mm. It's just things like I'll put that little plug in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you said that because a lot of people just dismiss Things like dizziness, headaches, migraines, even vertigo as, oh, it's just, you know, passing thing. And I'm so glad that you said it's not a normal phenomenon. So if anyone out there is experiencing this or know someone who has had even one episode, it would behoove you to get this checked out by someone who's a vertical specialist like Dr. Gray or even your medical providers just to make sure that they are aware that you're having these symptoms so that 
God forbid something doesn't happen that might not only endanger yourself if you're alone, but others if you're like driving or something like right. that. It can be very dangerous. I remember one time I had a client who was having vertigo and he was driving, turned his head really fast and was having an episode in the oh car. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. Resulting in him driving to a telephone pole. Oh my gosh. But the cool thing about things like vertigo is that they're really more or less, if correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Gray, but along with having, you know, something like vertigo where the symptoms can be treated very quickly if they're addressed very quickly too. Isn't that right? Yeah. I think it's the common PT answer where it depends. depends. Yes. Yeah, it depends. So there are cases of vertigo that can be treated really quickly. That's like the number one cause of vertigo is BPV. And that can be treated like within a couple sessions. And it's pretty much like usually your primary care doctor, you know, your ENT is going to know what BPPV is. Where it gets a little bit more complicated is when it's not BPPV. And if it's something else, then a lot of the healthcare system just throws up their hands and they're like, we don't know what to do with you. And this must be psychosomatic. It must be anxiety. It must be stress. And that's really where I try to kind of gather those people in a little bit more closely to me because, again, it's like that medical gaslighting. It's like, oh, it just you're stressed. Oh, you just need to drink more water. Oh, like, like all those things, you know, it's not. It, like that's not normal and people feel so stuck because as soon as the doctor goes like well it's not this crystal issue and we tried the epley and that didn't work for you and what like well i don't know like maybe here's some meclizine or dramamine and that's just totally a band-aid fix and it's only going to make your symptoms actually worse in the long run by taking dramamine or meclizine so it is vertigo can be treated quickly But yes, it is about connecting with the right kind of provider to get the right care who also understands like the complexities. So that way, you know, something like BPPV, where there's quite a few clinicians who at least understand one component of BPPV, but even BPPV can be complicated. I had told you today, I had some, a woman with two canals and two ears involved. You know, that's not a standard thing that's not something that she's going to be able to go on youtube and find a maneuver for because she tried it and it didn't work (laughs) so she had to call me so yeah it really does it it depends the length of episode it depends but it's always going to get worse the longer that care is deferred the longer you wait to get it fixed the longer it's going to take to heal because also that's you need to make changes in the brain too yeah so just so that our audience knows, canals refers to Oh, the- I'm sorry. So in your inner ear, you have your vestibular system, and that's kind of my specialty. So to even take a wider view is that your balance system is consisted of your eyes, what you can see, your inner ear, or your vestibular system. They kind of can use the terms like hand in hand. And then your joint sense, which is your muscles, your joints, your ligaments. And all of those have to communicate and speak a message to your brain. If there is a weakness in any of those systems, that can cause you to feel dizzy, have vertigo, even exacerbate a migraine or exacerbate a headache or um, even with a concussion. You know, that's that central nervous, that brain system or in a migraine. It's the brain that's not able to transfer the signals well to the rest of the body. So when we talk about canals, it's a part of that inner ear system that's affected. Now, Dr. Julie, can you also maybe share maybe a story or two of some of your clients so that people understand the type of clients that you actually see that you can... Yeah, of course. So I actually treat a lot of my clients virtually. Wow. Yeah, it's been so, it's been so cool. And I think people are a lot more open to that because telemedicine is a lot more, I think, a normal thing now than it used to be. But I really did it out of like need because people couldn't get to me. It was either too far for them or was too far for me. And so dove into this virtual model and it's been amazing. So a lot of the people that I see can't drive and because driving will make them dizzy or sure, and yeah. it will just flare up their symptoms. And so then by the time that they would get to me, they would be so dizzy, nauseous, anxious, imbalanced, that what am I going to do with them in a therapy session when you just like feel like absolute 
crap. I'm not going to try to do anything. Like we're just going to try to calm down your symptoms. So being in their home, it just allows them to feel comfortable. They're in their own environment. They know that they're safe. They know that at any point, like they're in control in their home. Which you know. helps to make that session even better because the fewer variables you have out there that are going to induce that anxiety, exactly. the better the session is going to go. Right, right. Because the thought of, oh, I have to, I'm seeing a new doctor. I have to drive to the clinic. I have to find parking. I have to talk to the receptionist. I have to do this. I have to do that. And then like all those steps are, we take it, it for granted, but your brain is doing a ton of work at that time. So then finally, by the time you actually walk in to see the provider, it's like you're toast, like you're done. And then they're going to try to run you through these tests that it's just going to make you miserable. (laughs) Right. So it is such a powerful platform for these clients to be able to get better. So I'm, I see one gentleman now and I treat him virtually and he doesn't drive and he's in his forties and we're literally working on driving. It's part of his homework, it's part of his task. I say, okay, and we worked up to that at this point, but he lives about an hour and a half away from where I am in Jackson, so it wouldn't be possible for him to get to me. And seeing him, you know, time after time, it's just his improvements are like, that's what gets me going. It's just so exciting, (laughs) I love it. So I see a lot of people with vestibular migraines, chronic dizziness, that's also called, I won't use them totally interchangeably, but conditions called 3PD, just persistent postural perception of dizziness, which is maybe that they've had an acute episode of dizziness and their symptoms went away, but now they kind of just feel off in crowded environments or maybe they can't drive or uneven surfaces makes like bothers them and then add like crowds and it's increasing their anxiety. And so then they become isolated and avoidant. And I think through the pandemic too, it pulled everyone to be so isolated. And now we can do things like shop from home and, you know, like Instacart. And so now it's like, well, I can ignore my symptoms now. That's still, that's not healthy. No, definitely. Just ignoring the problem. Right. Perpetuating it. You know, it's interesting to me too, working with some clients with vertigo and not the extent that you have, but I know you specialize in a lot of people who are not typically say your Medicare age patients, which is where a lot of people with vertigo or any of these kinds of complaints will be seen. And you tend to focus on the younger people. Can you talk talk to us more about that? Sure, yeah. So my typical age group is usually, I'll say, mid to late 20s to probably mid to late 50s. And where we see this, these conditions, especially migraine, especially, and I'll say specifically, vestibular migraine, and I'll talk on this for a second, but vestibular migraine is a migraine that can make you dizzy. And now you can have a migraine without having a headache. So a lot of these clients might go and see their ENT because they're feeling dizzy and they do an Epley, which looks at those canals in that inner ear and they go, well, it's not vertigo, even though that's not a diagnosis. And they'll kind of say, well, just drink more water and you'll be okay. And so they go on living with these symptoms and never understanding why and never getting a right diagnosis because they just kind of live with it. And that's where I can kind of come in and help these clients because they'll start to describe their symptoms and it's like motion sensitive in a car, watching busy environments, watching action movies, being on an elevator or an escalator. Not saying that they all have, you know, migraine or migraine variant, but migraine is just an over excitement of the neurons in the brain. I have migraines. I'm assuming you don't have migraines. So I have light sensitivity. So especially if I'm having a migraine, so light might make me like, really adversive and be like, oh, this is too bright. I have more of my neurons are being stimulated in my brain when it comes to light versus yours. It's not that there's something wrong with me that I'm just, oh, she's just like overly sensitive. I mean, you're you're just more have more neurons firing. So good news is that the brain can always make change. The brain is plastic and it's always finding new ways to adapt. Some of those clients, like they need to be medically managed to help those excited neurons like calm down, but then it's about managing their anxiety around their symptoms and teaching them what to do if they feel their symptoms and how to 
exercise and improve the strength of those balance systems. Did I answer your question? You did actually. Thank okay, you. <laughs> but, and what's also fascinating to me is that you can have a profound effect. And I know you've seen hundreds of people on over Zoom mm -hmm. or over some sort yeah. of virtual platform. And what's really cool is that they're still being effectively treated and managed without having to leave their home, which I think is a very powerful tool. I would say that, especially in a field like ours, where people often look to having hands-on work done, that this is something that doesn't require that and where it actually helps the person become more independent as they're managing their symptoms. Yeah, yeah, abs absolutely. And, and I probably didn't talk about this, but even my background, you know, I worked in a orthopedic type of setting before I went into private practice, but I started an orthopedic setting knowing that I wanted to niche into helping people with dizziness, vertigo, concussion, those type of symptoms. And they had a program there and I was like, oh, I want to help it grow. And so as I was there, you know, kind of pursuing all this vestibular things, going for some for advanced coursework in it and really like I mean, I'm just super nerdy and I've done hundreds of hours in vestibular concussion, all these things, and just loving it, just loving it. And then also pursuing my OCS in my orthopedic background because these things are so intertwined. But even the more I studied orthopedically or manual therapy-wise, it was the whole point of manual therapy is to get you up, moving, and exercising yeah. because that's where the long-term change and effect is actually going to take place. I can work on massaging your shoulder, but unless you're performing exercises to maintain that range of motion and maintain that strength gain that you've gotten, there's going to be no change over time. So tying that kind of principle into sort of this virtual platform, it is empowering and educating the client. Usually they've been to, unfortunately, been to a bunch of different providers before connecting with me. And they've been kind of either shoved away or they haven't, nobody's told them that these symptoms exist. They just feel like they're on an island by themselves. And so then it's empowering them and to, because they hear that, oh my gosh, there's a reason why I feel so dizzy in crowds. There's a reason why I feel dizzy in the supermarket or why I feel so motion sensitive in the car. There's a reason why. And then it's about teaching them, okay, now you understand the why. Now we're going to tell you what to do about it. And, you know, that is getting the client in like that's me kind of doing the soft tissue work. And then it's okay, now what are we going to do about it? We got to exercise it. We got to push it. We got to use these balance systems that have been asleep for you and wake them up and get them moving and going to help incorporate them into what you need in your everyday life. That's powerful. I love that approach and how I think what makes you unique in many different ways, Dr. Julie, is that you have this very expert knowledge in all things vestibular, but you also have this other expertise in treating orthopedic diagnoses that we would treat as well. So combining the two, I think, really puts you into a different ballpark. Yeah, it's interesting. And I get some mixed feedback, but I love it because a lot of physical therapists who pursue vestibular concussion, sort of that kind of niche, they'll often have their NCS, which is for neurologic clinical specialist. And instead of pursuing that, I pursued my OCS, which is an orthopedic clinical specialty. But the reason why is orthopedically, like our bodies have to move. Like they have to be able to do all the things that we're asking them to do. That's part of our balance system, right? Going back to eyes, inner ear, vestibular system, and joint sense. So that joint sense, if there's an ankle problem or maybe, you know, you had a fall, you broke your ankle three years ago, you don't have the range of motion in that ankle, your balance is going to be affected. Now add that on to maybe you've had an episode of vestibular neuritis where you've had an infection in your inner ear system. And so that's got now a weakness. It would be not wise to ignore 
the foot symptoms. Like you have to address the whole entire body. That includes the cervical spine. That includes all of the the muscles, all of those different areas. And I just felt like that was the best way to encompass this like whole body approach to dizziness and pain. I love that. Now, I also had a question because you, as a, a specialist in vestibular issues, You've also been using some very fancy schmancy, high-tech equipment for special cases. Can you talk more about Virtualis that you're using? Yeah, yeah. So so I treat a lot of my clients virtually. Actually, I encourage like a hybrid program where I might see them in person for their first session and for maybe like follow-ups to reassess their progress and things like that. Um, And that depends, like, am I accessible to them? And like, do they feel comfortable driving that far and things? things like that. But otherwise we we treat virtually and it works awesome, but when we do our in-person sessions, I do have some equipment that I like to use which is it's nice for the client because it also helps show them I'll say very like analytically like this is the problem. Like you can clearly see on these test results your problem is in your inner ear. You kind of have that when you've been shuffled around the medical system. It's like, well, my MRI is negative. Well, okay, but here's this test and here it shows it's in your inner ear. Virtualis is a virtual reality company. It's a French-based company that has come over into the U.S. And it uses virtual reality. I'll say it specifically started to help people with conditions like vertigo, dizziness, concussion, and has really branched into helping like really any population, orthopedic population, Mm. um, you know, Parkinson's. It's so adaptable. The way I'll describe it is like a TheraBand or an exercise band, right? So you might have a very specific way of thinking about how to use that TheraBand maybe for somebody with a rotator cuff strain. And one of your other physical therapists might think of a totally different way of using that TheraBand. The TheraBand is the tool and your creativity is what gets to kind of come in and say, okay, how do I want to target this? What do I want to do with this? Where is this client weak and what do I want to work on? So we can actually put the client in, we can run tests, number one, in the virtual reality environment, which is not like motion provoking. Like people are like, oh, you're going to put me on a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not going to do that. It's sort of like you're in a waiting room and we're running these tests with you. And it's a very, like very well tolerated. Then uh, if we want to progress a little bit, then we can advance some of those tasks. And maybe we have somebody who has poor head and eye coordination. We can put them into outer space and have them track a planet with their head. And so now we're working on head and eye coordination as they have to track a planet with their head. And there's so much good evidence behind using virtual reality because it really does get us out of our symptoms and like kind of perseverating on maybe we're having like chronic neck pain or maybe chronic dizziness and chronic vertigo. And it kind of draws us out of that because it gives our brain something else to focus on. And then we get into what's called neuroplasticity. The brain is plastic. We're able to make changes. And even my most like symptomatic people will love it. They will love it. I mean, not that like tracking a planet with your head is like the best exercise for somebody day one, but just throwing out an example. We also use some technology for screening for those canal issues or BPPV is a really common cause of vertigo, but it's best assessed when we can look deep into actually the eyes because they're a gateway into the inner ear. And so we have some specialized technology and cameras that help us to be able to track the eye movement to be able to see, hey, is their vertigo coming from this crystal issue? Yes or no? The technology is so cool. And I think that's what also appealed to me with like doing everything virtually because it is like technology, you know, finding ways. How can the client do this at home? It really challenges like my own creativity. And I just love those components of it. Now, Dr. Julie, what's interesting is that with all the stuff that you're doing, virtual health, uh, virtual PT, and using Virtualis, obviously, one of the reasons why you started Peton was because you wouldn't have been able to maybe do those things to the extent that you are, had you not left sort of that cookie cutter 
PT environment. Can you go into some detail about that a little bit? Oh, yes. This could be a whole podcast episode. (laughs) That's a loaded question. But yeah, so I was working in like a busy outpatient orthopedic, like hospital-based clinic. And it was really encouraged to like niche. So niche like, okay, you know, Joe, he only sees, he sees shoulder patients and he wants to work with baseball pitchers. And Julie, she's, you know, she's the concussion and vertigo girl. And we sent her all those people. The thing is, is that with this diagnosis, really any diagnosis, but I'll say very specifically with vestibular conditions, I can't just put somebody on a bike and expect them to ride a bike for 10 minutes. Really? Well, I know. <laughs> like, while I go and treat like three other people at the same time, it's just, it's not safe. It's unethical. And, you know, I didn't even want to do that with my orthopedic patients with shoulder issues, but it was draining me. Like, it was draining me because I couldn't give all of myself to my clients and I couldn't treat at the best of my abilities and give them that best care. And then that was also like burning me out too in the process. So that was, you know, really why starting, starting Peton, it was like, all right, well, I'm helping these clients. I'm helping this population, which is what I set out to do in my career, but I'm not doing it to the best of my abilities. And the passage, I'll say again, being a person of faith, like the passage that I really built Peton around was the second part of 1 Peter 4.11, which is, do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength that God supplies. And I just knew that working for another company, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. I was doing it in all my strength, but it wasn't in the right way. And so now that I I treat all my clients one-on-one, I build all their programs out. They have access to me they have a question on a weekend. They're texting me, they're emailing me. And even like just checking in, like I have one, one guy, He te- I see him on Tuesdays, he texts me on Friday. Here's how my exercises are going this week. Just so I know, because again, the brain is plastic. Do we need to make a change like in your exercises? Are they getting too easy or are they too hard? And we're able to make those changes quickly so that it's less time they're having to spend doing the repetitive exercises that really aren't going to get them better over time. So that's totally something I'm passionate about is just really being an advocate advocate for the patient. And they deserve better than to be treated with three or four people. Like I wouldn't want that for my family. I wouldn't want that for myself. So that, that really like sets me on fire to be able to help people in that way. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Now, can you, I was thinking actually, maybe for some of our audience who might be going through migraines or headaches or in some dizziness right now, are there a couple of lifestyle changes or lifestyle tips that you might be able to offer? Maybe something with nutrition even, make sure that it helps to set them on the right track before they come to see someone like you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So I'll say, there's so many things going on in my head right now. I'll say one of my biggest things is pacing. And I chronically stink at this. So I ha- practice, <laughs> I have to practice what I preach and that's, it's hard. And this is hard for my patients too. So we're all kind of like in it together, but pacing is so big. So especially when you're dealing with conditions like migraine or conditions like chronic post-concussion syndrome or, you know, chronic dizziness, the, the brain is using a lot of energy. And so something I'll say like for you, Jerry, maybe like that whole scenario we talked about at the beginning, parking, driving to a clinic, parking your car, walking up, talking to the receptionist, going in and getting care at a provider's office. Not a big deal. You'd go home and live your life, you know, versus somebody with maybe migraine or headache or some of these other conditions, they might just get to parking their car and they're like, I'm shot. I'm done for the day. Like I am exhausted. I am exhausted. I need to take a nap. I have a blazing headache or whatever the issue is. So really pacing is just the principle of, okay, take inventory of your current symptoms. What are they? Rate them from zero to 10, like we would for pain, but I, you know, you can use it for dizziness or headache or migraine Mm -hmm. or whatever. Rate it from zero to 10. Let's say you're starting the day off at a two. All right, I'm doing pretty good today. 
only push that symptom until you get to a four. At that point, you need to take a break. And that break might look like we use a lot of grounding, meditation, breathing, exercises, really to improve our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest system. We have fight and flight. Everybody kind of knows that one. Like, what do we do if we're about to get in a fight with somebody? (laughs) But that's what gets triggered in kind of these symptoms. So we need to do the opposite of that. We need to find things that give us rest. We need to be mindful. How is my body feeling? Check in with it. You know, do some deep breathing. Wait until those symptoms get down to a two before we push into that doctor's office. So maybe that means you need to leave for the doctor's office 10 minutes early. So that way you can sit in the car and wait until those symptoms kind of calm down. And so you get, you drove in the car and okay, now I'm at like a four or five. And instead of anxiously going into the doctors about how is this going to make me feel? Oh my goodness, what, what's going to happen to me? What are they going to, what tests are they going to do? What's the, is the receptionist going to be nice to me? Like what, what's happening? Instead, just sit in the car and breathe. Just wait, just wait it out. Wait until the symptoms go back down to a two. And that was your baseline. Then go into the doctor's office or, you know, provider's office or whoever. So that that those are probably my two biggest ones is like pacing and grounding. They go so far. And when my clients really start to grab hold of those two, I, I think in a way like they seem so easy, but they're the hardest because you really got to plan your life around around it. It takes a lot of effort yeah. and intentionality. Definitely. It reminds me of, uh, we just actually had a guest on, uh, Sean Pritchard, who talked extensively about breathing and mindfulness and mental health. Absolutely. And how that actually helped him and a lot of his clients manage their anxiety. This sounds like something that would also be tied into oh. dealing with headaches, vertigo, dizziness, yes. and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's huge. Like that, and that's why the virtual platform works so so well because so much of what I'm telling my clients like I'm not a mental health therapist like I'm not a mental health therapist and what they'll say is that when we as physical therapists are treating people like this we need to be mental health cognizant which I think we all need to be but specifically cognitive behavioral therapy cognizant and learning what how our words affect what our patients' beliefs and values and how they're understanding their symptoms and how we can encourage them. And that goes into so much. Like if you're telling like the patient, like, oh, you're dizzy. Oh, how, like, oh, you're really dizzy. Oh, that must like really be all, instead of being like, what did you do today? What went well for you today? And there are times like we need to focus on, you know, the things that are causing them symptoms, obviously, to be able to grow and improve off of it. But it's also encouraging them and still say, well, you know, I, I, I tried to drive today and I really, I could only go five minutes and that was it. It's like, well, you drove for five minutes today. And you know, like when we started, you couldn't even sit in the car because it made you so anxious just being there. And so look at how far you've come and it's it's so huge like i that is like such a foundational piece of these symptoms totally so glad you said that because i just said that this morning to a client of ours who was dealing with chronic pain yeah. and she'd been dealing with this for years and i'm always aware of pointing out hey listen 2 months ago you could barely do this Look at what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. You've given yourself a pat on the back and it's like, oh, it's a little laughing. But just to kind of bring them into that awareness, like you've come a long way from where we were before. And I think this is so valuable. And I see how it's being applied even to your vestibular clients or dizziness clients. And how it's such a powerful thing to remind them that they have come very far and they have now been able to do certain things under your care that they were not able to do maybe weeks, days, or months exactly. ago. Yeah, no, that's... And even... It's funny because as I've been treating this for years and people, I try to explain what I do and it's already weird enough that I'm a physical therapist that treats dizziness. (laughs) Like that's already hard for people to understand. And then let alone they're like, oh, you treat like, and I do treat BPPV, the crystal issue in the inner ear. And if you don't know what it is, you can like look it up. It's the number one cause of ear cause of vertigo. But going even deeper and beyond that is really those those chronic dizzy patients that maybe they had a BPPV a year ago, but maybe they're still too afraid to lay down because they're afraid that that symptom might come back. 
right? Or they're afraid to feel that way. So now they've been sleeping up on four pillows and now they got lower back pain because they've been sleeping on four pillows for two years. They're so afraid of laying down. And we know like evidence supports that the same kind of channels in the brain that deal with chronic pain deal with chronic dizziness. And I've been kind of saying that like, like, oh, like talking to other therapists and like, oh, you know, it's like working with somebody with chronic pain. And they kind of look at me like, oh, okay. (laughs) And so the way that we treat them is very similar. Probably you see this, that it's typically, it's probably some basic, simple exercises, but it's your care and your understanding of how it's been affecting them physically, emotionally, spiritually, and connecting with them on that deeper level Mm -hmm. that is giving them the buy-in to the exercises that you're prescribing to them. And so maybe only giving them three or four kind of, I'll say maybe simple things, but sometimes that's all that's needed. It's just building the foundation, but they've been kind of schlepped by the medical system and pushed aside and just injection and medication and all of these things. And nobody's taken that time to understand how it's been affecting them emotionally. Absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Julia, I know that these are actually really great tips here. Anything with nutrition that people should Mm. maybe stay away from as far as uh, if you're somebody who's suffering from dizziness or having vertigo or, or migraines, I know there are some things out there, but Are there a couple of things that people should be particularly aware of? Yeah, yeah. So there are, I'll say kind of like just the standard things like drink water. And again, my husband would come on here and be like, Julie stinks at drinking water. But (laughs) I really, I have my water bottle here. It's like labeled with like the times a day I'm supposed to drink. And it really does. It helps keep me accountable and all those things. So I know that sounds like kind of silly, but our vestibular system or that inner ear system is fluid based. So if we're not hydrating it, it's going to make us feel dizzy. Number one, like you're dehydrated, you're going to feel dizzy. So if you maybe have a predisposition for some type of migraine, headache, dizziness issue, you got to make sure you're drinking water. So, and not coffee, not tea, not caffeine, water. Try to regulate the amount of caffeine that you drink. I, again, that's where it kind of gets a gray area. Some people, if they take away caffeine, that gives them headaches. And sometimes if they have too much caffeine, it can give them a headache. So it, that's totally a balance. If I have a client telling me, well, I have a cup of coffee in the morning. Okay, I'm not really pushing for that. Somebody tells me, I have six cups of coffee during the day. Yeah, we need to tone that back. That's too much. Some other nutritional things. There are a bunch of, like I'll say, food triggers for people with migraines. And again, you can have a migraine without a headache. So I had one patient. She came to me for dizziness and imbalance and running her through some screenings. And I'm like, I think you got some, I think you might have migraines. And so connected her with a neurologist just, you know, to confirm the diagnosis and make sure I wasn't missing anything. And, you know, her dizziness had subsided, but I was seeing some eye reflexes when I was doing some of my testing and she wasn't feeling dizzy, but her eyes were like dancing all over the place just in response to something that was happening with her brain. And I sent her to the neurologist, the neurologist, and, you know, it it turned out to be migraine. And, you know, she always complained that she had a sensitive stomach. And she's, you know, she's Italian. She's off the boat Italian. And she's like, I just all thought it was this American rich food. And it turns out it was her, it was a migraine. Mm. She never had a headache, but her GI upset, these episodic period, periods of GI upset weren't actually like an IBS issue. It was actually a migraine. So then when she began got on some like migraine regimen, it actually improved her symptoms. Wow. Yeah. So it's crazy. So food plays a huge role in migraine. A couple of like, I'll talk about my own triggers. My own triggers are nuts and artificial sweeteners. And so the one of the worst episodes of migraine I've had, I didn't even realize that nuts were a trigger for me until kind of ap- after this episode. And I was teaching and I was just like eating those like snack packs, yeah. like just popping them. And I was teaching. So it was like, you didn't really get a break yeah. and just go and go. And then I was also drinking a liquid IV in my water. Oh my goodness. And by the middle of the day, I'm like, I feel 
horrible. Oh. Like I know I'm not eating very well. I was staying in a hotel. I'm like I know like all the things, right? Like your sleep is off, your nutrition's off, like everything. But then putting it together, I'm like, okay, nuts. That is probably a trigger for me. And then the liquid IV looking at what's in it, it's uh, like artificial sweeteners. sweeteners. Yeah. So once like, okay, well rule those out. So there's so many different types of food triggers. I really encourage my clients to actually just start journaling. That's such a big thing because I mean, anything under the sun, like cheese could be a trigger. Like there's just so many different things and you don't really know because everybody is, has their own specific and unique chemical makeup and history and genetics and hormones and all of those things. And what triggered it is for me might not be even a trigger for my sister Mm -hmm. and we share similar you know genetic makeup and things like that so i usually tell clients like start a journal you can start a food journal and say like oh i okay i had a headache today well over the last few days like what did you eat how did you sleep what were you doing for mindfulness or meditation or de-stress you know, what did your work schedule look like? Are you getting consistent sleep? Are you going to bed like super late, waking up super early? Or maybe you're not staying asleep during the night and tracking food, you know, is dairy a issue for you, you know, and you're kind of starting to put those pieces together Mm -hmm. to be able to find out there's, I can't say that there's just like one that applies to everybody because it's sure. not that case. It really is that case of like, it depends. Cool. Thanks for yeah. sharing. Yeah. Real quick. Can you just walk our audience through your process for how you see clients coming for either virtual or for in-person visits with you? Yeah. So typically like I talk to all my clients, I talk to you before you even schedule or anything like that, just to get to know you and know if we're a good fit together, you know, in the same way, like I, I want to help people, but also like if I'm not the best person for you for your particular circumstances, like I want to be able to give you some guidance and direct you to maybe somebody who is. So that the first process is usually just our like consultation. Mm-hmm. And then we we enter into our initial like evaluation, which might be done virtually or in person. If it's in person, we're utilizing some of our technology, assessing all of those systems of balance. Virtually, we're doing that, but just without the technology, taking them through some eye examination, some balance testing, some range of motion and functional movement assessment, and looking into how those systems of balance, eyes, inner ear, joint sense, and then how the brain is taking all that information, applying into action. We're looking at all of those systems of balance into a deeper a deeper level to get to the root cause of why this is that's happening. Is it coming from a neck issue or is it coming from an inner ear issue? So that's part of the evaluation. Then after our initial evaluation, we have a three-step process in which we are starting with prepare and we are preparing the body for movement. We're preparing the body for motion. So this really looks like educating our clients about what's going on and what why they're feeling this way and giving them tools and resources to how to help manage these symptoms in their day-to-day life so they start feeling back to normal. Then as we go forward, we're working into our progress phase and this is our like anti-dizziness training and we're performing head and eye coordination, dynamic balance exercises and advanced visual exercises just to get them ready for like, how are you going to manage these symptoms when you are at Thanksgiving dinner and everybody's talking to you and there's like the noise and the smells and the can't like everything that's going on like how are you going to be able to handle those things or like being in the grocery store and being able to track and find your items then going into our last phase and this is our perform and this is where the magic really happens and really why so much of like why I love this like the model that I created because I really do feel like it's what was needed for this population is that I'm weaning away from my clients in this step. And meaning like you are doing so well with your exercises. You're doing so well managing this and knowing what you need to do when we're working on the strengthening of your balance systems and of your joints and all these things. And now like I'm going to see you in a month 
And I want to make sure that, you know, you handled all these things well and you did all these things. Are you getting back to the gym or going back to hiking, yoga, whatever it is that you enjoy and how'd you feel during them? And then let's meet back up and talk through what went well and maybe what we need to still work on. And then from there, it's like a three month then a three month follow up and then a six month and then I'll see them in a year just to make sure that they know and have all the tools and resources because these are not like this is something that is going to need almost like a little encouragement, you know, and these symptoms can kind of wax and wane and that's normal. Stress and anxiety comes up in our life we're going to feel this more like your chronic pain patients are going to feel this more when they're maybe their job became a little bit more stressful and it's like man my lower back is killing me um you know same thing with these like migraines headaches dizziness vertigo patients is that they are going to maybe face some challenges just like we all do sure. And they're going to need some coaching through that to make sure that these symptoms stay at bay and don't don't flare up. And we're eliminating them before they even get to become a problem. And that's really our stepwise process. I love that. Thanks so much for sharing that. As far as I know that you're really busy and you only see a couple of clients a week because of your schedule, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you to either learn more about you? about your practice and how you can help them either virtually or in person? The best way is honestly, if you go on my website, which is www.pitonpt.com and you book online for an appointment, that's a phone consultation. So that's like 30 minutes, just me and you chatting on the phone and getting to know each other. And we find out like what's going on with you and am I a good fit for you? Or do you need to see somebody else? And can I give you some information to help you along that stepwise process? I'll say that's typically like the easiest way. Also, the phone number is for my cell phone. So like, it's me, you know, it's currently in the clinic. It's me, myself and I. I like it that way because I get to connect with people and know them personally. But then also like, that's why booking online can sometimes be the best option. Thank you. And I think you said, Dr. Julie, that for anyone listening or for anyone who's been referred from this podcast, that you'd be willing to do that free consult, that consultation for free. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. You know, my my mission is just like, I want to help people. So if you've heard this and it connects with you, it resonates with you or maybe a family member or a sister or an aunt or whoever. Yeah. Like connect with me. We'll do that consult. We'll you know, consultation and actually offer a dizzy analysis. Ah, And so we'll jump, you know, consultation, we'll jump into our dizzy analysis where we do that virtually. And we start to look at your systems of balance and start to look at where maybe there are cracks in the armor that could be affecting symptoms. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. We will have that information in the show notes, of course. Dr. Julie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I know I learned a lot and reviewed a lot during this process, during this podcast. So very grateful for that. And for anyone in our audience who needs any sort of help or maybe has a loved one with any kind of dizziness, migraine, headache, or concussion, Dr. Julie is quite an expert in this area. And she can actually serve the entire state of New Jersey, from what I understand, which is great virtually. So please check the show notes for that information. And until next time, have an amazing day. Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. It really does mean a lot to us. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, or comment if you got at least one or two helpful insights or takeaways to help you get to your next level.